Welcome to Rights Here, Rights Now, the podcast about disability, advocacy, and activism. I'm your advocate host, Virginia Ferris. And I'm your advocate host, Ren Fazuski. Every two weeks, we dig into relevant issues, current events, and avenues for self-advocacy. Because someone has to. And it might as well be us. This podcast is produced by the Disability Law Center of Virginia, the Commonwealth's Protection and Advocacy Agency for Disability Rights. Find out more at dlcv.org. Well, Ren. Yes. We have one of our most requested episodes coming up today. Yes, it is. It is hot off the presses. It is here. We we have... um, one of our senior advocates, Ms. Julie Triplett, uh, here to talk about transition services. That is quite the hot topic. We definitely get a lot of calls asking about transitions. Yes, yeah, specifically, we're talking about the transition when somebody with a disability, like, goes from being legally a child to being legally adult, which is, oh boy, there's a lot of stuff that goes along with that. But before we jump in, let's check out disability in the news. On August 31st, 2020, the U.S. Department of Education, Office of Special Education and Rehabilitative Services, sent a letter to the Special Education and Vocational Rehabilitation Administrators across the nation. The letter stated that while COVID may be altering how things are done, the expectations for transition services remained in effect. Recognizing that COVID-19 has resulted in students accessing educational services differently than in the past, whether it be virtually, in person, or a hybrid approach, the importance of the provision of transition and pre-employment transition services has not changed wrote Mark Schultz, Commissioner of Rehabilitative Service Administration. During the pandemic, states, during the pandemic, states, school districts, schools, and vocational rehabilitation agencies are encouraged to use the flexibility afforded under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act and the Rehabilitation Act to engage in innovative strategies involving students and youth with disabilities and their families in the transition and pre-employment transition processes as early as possible, Schultz and Vanderplug indicated. In addition to the letter, the Education Department also recently released an updated 60-page transition guide that's meant to help students with disabilities and their families understand the years-long transition process and the options available to them as they begin their transition. Thank you so much, Julie, for coming on the podcast to talk to us about transition services. We're so excited to have you. Well, I am very excited to be here. This is so exciting and fun. And I know we've been doing the podcast for a while and this is my first time. So this is going to be new for me. So I'm I'm very happy to, to be joining you. Well, and this is, this is a hot-button topic. This is one that we've gotten some requests for. So first and foremost, the big question, what are transition services? 
That's, that's absolutely the first and foremost question that we have to answer. Um, transition services can mean many different things to many different people, uh, depending upon what stage of life you are in. However, for the purpose of this podcast and the purpose of what we're discussing today, transition services are services that students with disabilities need as they prepare for life after high school. If you think about it, all students, disability or not, have to think about their lives after high school and what's gonna happen. Because when graduation hits and you walk across that stage and you get that diploma, there is no more from the school. The school has done their part. Therefore, because the school has now done their part, before the school leaves you, you need to have certain services and, and um, agencies in place so that as you prepare for life after high school, when you get to life after high school, the services will be in place. Transition services are basically services that you need to prepare for life as an adult with a disability. And I imagine that can look like a, a bunch of different things. Like, I mean, that can look like education or work or something or things like that. Correct. Um, that can look like a lot of things. It can look like, like you said, um, Ren, it can look like education, post-secondary education. It can look like working. So while you're in high school, you should be getting services that prepare you for out of high school so that you can get ready to go to work. Like some things that could happen while you're in high school would be transition wise would be putting um, a section in your IEP, your individualized education program, IEP, putting a section in there for transition planning so that your IEP team while you're in school can start really working with you on developing those goals for what your life is going to look like after high school. Um, some of those goals might be that your IEP team would help you with career assessments, you know, and they could help you um, do some career interest inventories. So you could look at things that might be of interest to you. Another thing was they might help um, help you to get unpaid work experiences through while you're in high school, volunteer opportunities, things like that. Um, if you're interested in college, they would perhaps um, assist you with taking, getting the accommodations you need to take the needed tests like the SAT or the ACT, things like that. Um, so transition services look, are very individualized. That's, it's not a one size fits all kind of service. It depends on the person as to what they look like. You actually kind of pinged on sort of my next thought. I know that a lot of these students have certain accommodations while they're in a high school setting. Um, are they able to continue those when they enter college? That is an excellent question, Ren, because a lot of people 
really think that because they had an individualized education program, an IEP in high school, and they had certain accommodations on that, that those accommodations will carry you through college. Well, you can request accommodations in colleges, but the IEP no longer holds up for when you are in school, secondary school. It is not for post-secondary education. To get to college, you need, you'll need to work with the Office of Disability Support Services. Disability Support Services. Most every campus has that kind of office. Even if it's a small college and they person in that office, they still have that office. They're required to have that. Um, big schools like BCU, JU, UVA, William and Mary, they have large offices that serve students with disabilities, but smaller schools are not gonna have huge offices. But you will want to get con connected to the Disability Support Service Office that serves your college. And that is also a transition service that your high school can start helping you with as well to get connected to those disability services in college while you're still in high school. Um, things that the Disability Support Services can help you do would be things like um, help you to get the documentation you need of your disability so you can request that your professors accommodate you. Things like maybe you need extra time to take a test. So you would send a letter with the documentation to the professor and ask for extra time to take the test due to your disability. Like I say, you would send a letter from you and documentation from your medical provider or therapist or something from a clinician stating why you need the accommodation of longer time to take a test. So sort of the other side of that, now that we've looked at transition services from a college perspective, you know, what if the person with the disability isn't ready to go to college or get a job? Do transition services still apply to them? Absolutely, because like I said in the beginning, transition services are to help you prepare for life after high school. And that's for those who are in that 14 to 24 20 time age range. Mm -hmm. um, transition services should start as early as age 14. They should definitely be in place and things looking at who's going to do what, which agency will do what, should be in place by the time that the individual is 16. Um, so what it looks like if you're not, because like I say, all, all students are eligible for transition services. All students with disabilities are eligible for some type of transition services. And if they're not ready, for college or work, that's perfectly okay. You know, it's more common now than ever before for people to take what they call that gap year and kind of look for opportunities and ways that they can figure out what they want to do. Yeah. 
Um, so um, it's okay that you may not be ready for college or work right away. That's one reason that while you're in high school, you should be taking like career interest inventories, doing some job shadowing, doing things like that. So you can kind of get ready for what that looks like um, for you for after high school. And if your ultimate to go to work eventually, then you should go ahead and contact the Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services, which their acronym is DARS, or the Department for the Blind and Vision Impaired, DBVI. If your disability is not visual impairment or blindness, you would contact DARS. If your disability is visual impairment or blindness, you would contact DBVI. They are the agencies, they're the vocational rehabilitation agencies that assist individuals with disabilities whose disability is a barrier to them someday getting a job so that they can help them to become employment ready and help them to find a job when that time is right. I know that something that a lot of students um, have access to it in, in their education is assistive technology. Mm -hmm. Do transition services assist these students moving on to the next phase in their lives and continuing to have access to assistive technology? Yes, well, transition services, part of transition services can include, you know, assistive technology. Um, like a lot of students use iPads um, for assistive technology, certain apps on their iPad or voiceover on their iPad or something like that. Um, so um, you can definitely use you know, the, the iPad or um, other assistive technology devices while you are um, doing transition services. I worked with a lady um, recently that was needing assistive technology to take a test. And um, so we worked with her to get that assistive technology approved. And again, she had to do the same kind of thing that you would have to do in college. She had to get documentation of her disability and write a request so that the assistive technology could be approved. Um, assistive technology is very important in planning for life after high school because we've all seen in recent months how much more technology dependent we are. So needing the assistive technology piece for people with disabilities is very much crucial to planning for transition planning or even for adults with disabilities. Assistive technology is, is what has to happen. So, um you know, a, a big part of turning 18, which is like right smack dab in the middle of that transition range, um, a big part of that is becoming your own legal decision maker, which is something that, you know, kind of happens automatically. We haven't talked about it a whole lot on the podcast. Um, but 
what can folks do if they have hit that age range where they are their own decision makers, but they need a little extra help? Is that part of transition? It absolutely can be, um, it, and it should be. It totally should be, because what's gonna happen is when you have your 18th birthday, you are in the eyes of the law, in the eyes of the school, in the eyes of agencies, and basically in the eyes of the world, you are considered an adult, mm -hmm. which is scary for any of us, disability or not. I know when I was 18, I was not always ready to make adult type decisions. You know, probably none of us were. So we I'm, needed a, a little help. Um, I'm 30 and I'm not ready to make many of my own decisions. Correct. Correct. I won't tell you how old I am, but it's older than 30. Um, <laughs> but, um, and, and you're right. You know, we all need a little help making decisions and that's okay that's called supported decision making mm -hmm. and when you're eight when you're still in school and when you have agency person with this disability and you have agencies that you work with that assist you to get the services you need so you can be as independent as you can be in your community uh, you are definitely considered an adult and they may want you to make decisions. They will want you to make decisions for yourself um, in, in the eyes of an adult. So mm -hmm. what, what, you, what can happen is, is oftentimes, and this is something that a lot of parents struggle with, is because a lot of parents think that because this, the, your, their child is their child that they can still make their decisions mm. even though they have because they have a disability well again that's not true because in the eyes of the world in the eyes of the law in the eyes of all these agencies the the student is 18 disability or not so they are the decision maker so in order to get them help with making decisions so that in order for your students to, for your voice to be heard as someone, as a parent trying to help make decisions with your student, obviously your student would make the primary decision because they're the one that needs the services. But if your student wants your help, then you should get what's called an educational power of attorney. If it's, if it's um, they're needing your help making decisions regarding schooling, or you should get um, some type of medical power of attorney because I got to tell you, doctor's offices will not talk to parents unless there is some type of power of attorney or that name is on the HIPAA form in the doctor's office or something because the, the individual is now 18 and they're considered an adult. So it's very important that you um, get information and we have wonderful information on our DLCV website about drafting a power of attorney. Um, you don't need a lawyer to do that. You can get it, you can draft it yourself. We have language on our website of how that can be done. Um, your best bet is to get that notarized. Just 
that just makes it look clean and nice. But um, again, you don't have to um, get guardianship or anything like that. Matter of fact, you want your student to make as many decisions for themselves as they can. But, you know, sometimes, like we said, sometimes people need a little help. So uh, getting that power of attorney saying that you are still involved and helping is a very good thing. And we have more information about the power of attorney and all these topics that you're asking about today. We have all more, lots more information about these topics in our manual, I Have a Choice, I Have a Voice, which can be found on our website. And that manual is geared towards students with disabilities and their families and the professionals who work with them. And that manual's on our website, or you can contact our office and we'll send you a print version. I think one of the sort of big things everyone always thinks about is like you're about to turn 18, you're about to be, you know, about to move on to this next phase in your life. And suddenly you kind of come into this idea of your social security services and how all that will change. Does turning 18 really affect the social security services that a person already has? Do they need to reapply? Do you, does it transfer over? How does that work? That's such a great question and yes, to all that. <laughs> um, the answer is that when someone turns 18, if they have been receiving disability benefits as a child, when they turn 18, the disability benefit goes away and they have to apply again as an adult. So in order that there's not too much lap in your coverage and you still get things like Medicaid, which is the big thing that, that people get concerned about is they don't mm -hmm. want to lose their Medicaid. Mm -hmm. So in order that that not happen, it's a good idea to really start looking at that information about turning 18 and what to do about Social Security when you're 16 and 17, because um, parent, you know, like I said, parents should, should really start looking at that for their students, because when they're a child, they may, they would qualify for receiving disability based upon the parent's record and the parent's income. And I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole because that's <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast for you um, on that. And but I do want to. As a child, your disability is based on your parents' income, and you're receiving, and you having a documented disability. When you become an adult, and you're trying to get disability benefits, it becomes about your work record and your income. So you have to apply again as an adult. The rules for over for 18 and over are basically are different than they are for children. 
you know, again, parents and students should start looking at that as early as age 16 and 17, because it will come and it will be a lot of parents and a lot of students and even professionals. We don't think about that, but that will happen. That is reality. And if you lose Medicaid, there can be a gap in services. So you don't want that. And again, there is lots of information about the Social Security turning 18 rules and all that in the manual that I mentioned previously. Yeah, I would, I would certainly say along with like special education services, social security at just every juncture of life is one of the things that we get the most calls about. So we will definitely um, be having Elizabeth back on sometime soon to talk about um, what happens with social security when I turn 18, what do I need to do, what are all of the details that I'm not even thinking of all of the different questions. Right, um, right. Uh, but Okay, so you, you already mentioned the great resources that we have on our website, dlcv.org, including mm -hmm. um, the beautiful transition manual you guys um, put together. Are there any other resources that you want to make sure our listeners have uh, regarding transition services? Yes. Like I say, like you said, and I said, the manual is a great resource and it has a list of resources in there that are good. But also I just want to highlight again, the school, when the school is through working with you, they're no longer involved. Therefore, you need to be connecting yourselves while you're in school to agencies that will be working with you as an adult. Those would be agencies like Centers for Independent Living. They would be agencies like your community service boards. Um, they would also be agencies like Department for Aging and Rehab Services or Department for the Blind and Vision Impaired. Those are the two that you wanna to talk to about life after high school as far as how it relates to post-secondary education or work or next steps for you. You know, those, are, those, those two agencies, I can't stress enough how important it is that they are at the table when you are planning transition services with your high school. DARS and DBVI can start working with you and should start working with you while you are in school so that they can know you and get to know you and your situation. And so then when they're ready to take over fully, everything is in place and there's no gap and services can continue. Well, Julie, thank you so much once more for coming on and telling us all about transition services. Um, we really appreciate your time and we hope to have you back again soon to talk about an equally important and equally complicated topic. Yeah, thank you so much, Julie. You're welcome, glad to do it. Thanks. And now a DLCV highlight. After attending a presentation about DLCVs, representative payee program, Tom's case manager contacted DLCV with some serious concerns about Tom's representative payee. Tom's payee hadn't been paying his bills on time. 
and Tom was forced to pay late fees and was under considerable stress. Tom's payee wasn't even sending him his monthly personal needs allowance. Neither Tom nor his case manager were able to get in touch with the payee for three weeks to resolve these issues. Clearly, Tom needed a new payee. DLCV was able to help Tom understand his rights in requesting a new payee and how to do so. With Tom's help, DLCV nominated his payee for a representative payee review where we will evaluate their services. Tom was not only able to help himself, but to help others who might be experiencing similar issues with this payee. Both Tom and his case manager were pleased with DLCV's services and will recommend DLCV to others in the future. I want to thank Julie again for being on our podcast. Again, she is, her topic was incredibly requested and of course then her presence was very requested. So she's just the star today. Yeah, we realize this is just such a big topic um, and we hopefully will have um, Julie back a lot more to talk about all of the little specifics and peculiarities that we didn't um, get a chance to go into today because it's just such a big topic. Um, But in the meantime, thank you all for listening to this episode of Rights Here, Rights Now, brought to you by the Disability Law Center of Virginia. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you need assistance or want more information about DLCV and what we do, you can visit us online at dlcv.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Disability Law VA. Um, You can visit us on Facebook at the Disability Law Center of Virginia and share us with your friends. Retweet us. Share our Facebook posts. Until next time, I am Ren Fazuski. And I'm Virginia Ferris. And this has been Rights Here, Rights Now. <laughs>